way you can see that you could never make her happy. Welcome to The Music That Shaped Us, a podcast that delves into the world of music with the people that make it happen. I'm your host, Tamsin Wills, and each week I'll be speaking to bands, artists and industry professionals about the music that shaped them and how they got to where they are now. If you like what you hear, please leave a review and follow the podcast on Instagram at The Music That Shaped Us and on Twitter at TMTSU underscore pod. Joining me this week is Ryan Richards. Now, Ryan is the founder of Future History Management, who look after bands such as Holding Absence, Loathe, and many more. You may also know him if, like me, you were a raging emo in your teens, because for over a decade, Ryan was also the drummer in Funeral for a Friend. In this episode, we take a look back through Ryan's music history, our love for Bon Jovi, and the rise and fall of the Welsh music scene. Keep listening to find out more. So, Ryan, do you want to start us off then by introducing yourself, what you do in the industry, who you work with? Tell us all. Yes. Hello, this is Ryan Richards. I am the um, the the person at Future History Management. I don't like to put any other titles, CEO or owner, even though they, those are on my email signature, so I've contradicted myself there. But, um, but yeah, it's... Um, I've been, yeah, we've had this company now for just over two years, working with some really talented artists, Holding Absence, Loathe, Sleep Token, uh, Fox Joe, Killer Lights, Those Damn Crows, Junior. Um, yeah, I mean, we've, um, yeah, it's it's been it's been fun. It's been it's been something new for me. I was uh, I was at Raw Power Management for for quite quite some years and. Um, I've had a great time doing that, but 2018 came and just felt like doing my own thing. And it's been, yeah, it's been it's been a roller coaster since. It's been fun though. Obviously, a big part of that roller coaster has been the uh, ups and downs of lockdown and COVID. But um, here we are, looking forward to, well, hopefully things getting back to getting back to a bit of normality this year. But um, but certainly in the, in the near future. Yeah, I saw um, with the the recent download festival announcement, you're you've kind of got a little takeover going on, haven't you? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's gonna be uh, it's it's gonna be quite the quite the hectic weekend because I'm also playing because yeah, I forgot to mention I've been dragged out of drumming retirement as well to uh, <laughs> to get back behind the kit with uh, with funeral for a friend where I spent uh, yeah I spent I guess it was. This is about ten years between two thousand two and and two thousand twelve. Um, in in the hot seat there, in the drum hot seat with funeral for a friend, and uh, I mean just just a bit of backstory to to how I've been dragged into that. Well, I don't, I've not been dragged. It's it's going to be an absolute You've pleasure. You've gone willingly. <laughs> I have, yeah. I mean, we the I, I left the band in in, in two thousand uh, end of two thousand eleven, beginning two thousand twelve to. To go into management full time. Uh, you know, I had a I had a small management company uh, in, in in Wales 
back in, I suppose from about 2008, 2009, whilst I was still in the band, uh, managing some really cool bands like Straight Lines and uh, Tiger Please and, and, and Cuba Cuba, some really cool Welsh bands. But, um, but yeah, once I decided to uh, go into that full time, I, I left Funeral in 2012. And as I say, started working for Raw Power Management and um, the band then carried on until 2016. And uh called it a day and um yeah in, in 2019 uh, a friend of ours got a bit uh, sick so we thought you know how's the best way to raise some raise some money for for him and his family so you know we talked about doing some raffles or giving away some memorabilia but figured out pretty quickly that the the most effective way to to actually make some 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 money and get support for him would be to do a couple of shows um which turned into three shows then two in cardiff one in london and um that was that was it that was gonna be it but literally the day after the the london show i got a phone call from um andy coppin at download festival and was like oh sorry i couldn't make the show last night um how about would you be able to play download next year? Um, so this was in the October. So I, I mean, I was in the van at the time with the guys going going back to Wales after the show, and um, and we, we were like, yeah, you know, why not? Let's uh, you know, one last thing because uh, you know, there lots of people couldn't get tickets to those three shows that that, that we did. So we figured it'd be a cool thing. And of course, download with with COVID and everything got got cancelled. Um, it's obviously in his second year now of cancellation. So in the meantime, we figured, okay, we'll 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 do download, but um we'll do that one last UK run. So then nobody can complain then that they haven't had a chance to to see us one last time. So so that's what we're doing. So we're out on tour uh in January, then across the UK and then finishing up a download and I'm I'm pretty sure that'll be that. I mean, I know many bands have uh, have said that in the past. Um, you know, this is definitely our final, final thing, but uh but I really I really think it will be. I mean, you know, our singer Matt is happily living in, in Germany and has been for a while. So, you know, he's got his life there. Um so I think this will be the last thing, but I'm looking forward to it though. It's going to be, yeah, cool. it'll be fun. Fun story about that London show, the charity one. I was there. Um, I got in a fight and ended up getting a whole bunch of men kicked out. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> so, that sounds fun. Yeah, it got a little bit rowdy. Um, oh, yeah, it was, well, it was, sucks. it was a weird time. I was in the standing area. It was just men drinking too much on a Tuesday mm. night. Um, and uh, yeah, me, me and my friends were getting very angry. So we started just getting them kicked out. And I was like, I'm trying to enjoy the show here. Could you, could well, you yeah. not? We, we're all, this is, oh, well, at the time it was just the one off. So we were like, yeah, this is, can you stop ruining this for us, please? Well, yeah, that's my memory. Oh, that's that. a shame. Sorry to hear that. That sucks. Yeah. At this uh, point, we've got downloads, I've got tickets for the tour. We can do it. We can have a do-over. It'll be fine. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's it. Get get yourself to the front and <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Wave as I'm crowd surfing over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh well, I'll 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 keep my eye out from behind the kit. I'll, I'll find <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's get into you know your music taste then how they've evolved over the years taking it right back. What music did you grow up with? So what was playing around your house when you were a kid? What did you listen to in the car? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, you know, my parents were were definitely really, really um, 
big into music. My dad used to be, I mean, this is a bit of an outdated term, but a, a, a roadie, you know, um, <laughs> they don't like to be called that these days, uh, you know, technical crew or backline technicians, which does sound actually uh bit better and actually gives them the the kudos that they that they do deserve but um yeah i mean you know from my dad's side it, it, it was mostly stuff like um you know 10 cc you know I loved eric clapton and the yardbirds and um it was all that sort of thing you know the guitar bands the trogs um you know but wasn't was i don't think he was the biggest Beatles fan in the world, but but you know there was all you know I can always remember the Beatles hits um, being yeah. played because you know of course you know wh- why wouldn't you? But um, but yeah, I suppose that was my introduction to 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 guitar based music, um, that sort of thing, and and, and Queen was a big one. Um, you know, my dad was a big Queen fan, and, and I think that was pretty much um, the first. Well, I guess the first cassette. That I, that I ever owned, and uh, I remember it being, being. It was a bootleg cassette. We had um, we had this um, this market quite near us. They used to do like um, like a big indoor market every weekend, and um, he had he bought this cassette from someone at the market. So it was a bit dodgy, and then it came in like a you could you could tell it wasn't quite right, and then you put it in the cassette player, and if you listen closely, you could kind of hear what it was recorded over. It was something yeah. else in, in the background. So I always remember that. And it was actually Queen's Greatest Hits 2. It wasn't number one. Um, so at that time, it was it was number two. So, I mean, that was, I guess, mid to late 80s, I want to say, then. Um, but I remember that certainly being, um, you know, one of, one of my, if not my first cassettes that I bought um, or had bought for me. And um, definitely Michael Jackson, um Bad was was one of my definitely one of the first things I had and she fell in love with uh, with that record and and um, and Michael Jackson's music. I mean, I was, I was quite good at it because my sister is like three three years younger than me, um, so she's like was she now thirty eight? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, and she, and and she, I actually had the chance to go to watch Michael Jackson in in Cardiff Arms Park um, when I was a kid, and for some reason I was doing. I guess I was about 14, 15 at the time, and she was like 11, 12, and, and I let her go instead of me, and it's one of the biggest regrets of my life that I didn't go to watch Michael Jackson in Cardiff. Yeah, you know, so, yeah but that was one of them. And then from my, from my mother's side then, it was um, she was more into the 60s hits, really. Um, I just, I guess, I, you know, I could reel off all the names, but it, it, it was just all the big 60s hits. And anytime time, you know, if there's... Um, I do sometimes when I'm just chilling or working, it's, it's quite nice to have a little nostalgic uh, Spotify 60s playlist um, to put on in the background, which is quite nice. You know, it's almost every song I find myself subconsciously like reconnecting with and, and humming. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember that song. And I'm, and I'm singing the words and I'm like, I don't know who this is. I don't know what this song is called, but I, I seem to somehow know every word. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, it was that. And um, I think, you know, that those, those are where, and, and that was it as well. That was the first vinyl that I ever owned was, uh, I don't know if you remember a band called Jive Bunny. It was, <laughs> um, they were, it was this, it was a bunny um, but it was basically, I guess it was just one of the earliest sort of 
remix bands, if you like, you know, samplers. They, they just basically what they would do is um, sample all sorts of different like 50s, 60s hits and the choruses and they'd like mix them together, you know, and do those sort of DJ swishing on them and stuff like that. And uh, I think it was called Swing the Mood. But um, yeah, Jive Bunny, I, you know, I thought it was cool. It had this bunny on the front of it. And um, and I think that was it. And I think it was my mother saying, oh, yeah, that's good. That's a good one because it had all the 60s thing in it. And I remember that actually being my uh, my very first vinyl. And, and I remember my set. I do remember my second one. It was, um, it was The Simpsons Sing the Blues, uh, which was... <laughs> So, yeah, so it was just, I mean, if you, I suppose if you listen back to it now, it was absolutely terrible, but it was basically the cast of The Simpsons made um, a music album. But again, you know, seeing a Simpsons album in the shop, it was, uh, it was pretty cool at the time. It was yeah. just when Simpsons came out in the, in the really early 90s, I guess. So, yeah, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, I've got my, my earliest memory of, I think I was in Asda got buying singles like CD singles that I wanted or at least going up to my mom and going I really want these was Bob the Builder yeah when tune. we did that yeah. uh the, the theme tune I guess it was and that is yeah pretty much my earliest memory of wanting to buy a CD single and I don't know how I feel about it <laughs> Oh, it's a big song, you know, no doubt. It was a catchy yeah. one, wasn't it? Uh, wasn't it Neil Morrissey, though? Wasn't he Bob? I think so, yeah. I th- yeah, yeah, I think he was. The guy from, from Men Behaving Badly. Yeah. <laughs> I think that um, was Bob. Yeah. You kind of mentioned, um, you know, Michael Jackson and stuff being big influence around your early teens. So do you remember at what age it was that you kind of started finding your own music taste and how that was was it through just hearing stuff on the radio or was it through friends or how did you kind of develop your own taste in music yeah i mean i think in terms of getting into to heavier stuff um as i was saying being initially listening to you know my dad's collection of Jimi hendrix and, and cream and deep purple and um and stuff like that that sort of um acclimatized me to the sound of the guitar and, and, and drums and I suppose real bands, if you like, you know, I mean, I th- the eighties was a cool um, decade for pop music, but it, you know, it was, it was a lot of that um, stock Aitken and Waterman um, really processed pop stuff. But, um, but yeah, you know, that, that really got me into the, the real band sound, if you like. And, um, and when I got that first queen um, cassette, I, I, I was really, um, gravitated to a lot of the, I guess the heavier stuff on it. I mean, I say heavy now, it's obviously not that heavy when you, you know, things like I want it all, it's got the big guitar riffs and things like that. And, um, and from that, then I, I remember my, um, introduction into, into, to heavier stuff from there. I had, um, my next door neighbor, a guy named Keith, um, he used to come and, and babysit when, when my parents went out and, um, you know, he was, um, he was definitely he, he was you know uh had, had, had the leather jacket and the puffy hair and the you know the you know the eight or nine earrings and stuff and and, and whatnot and um and uh, I, I remember i remember him he used to bring in like cassettes uh to play for me to listen to and stuff like that it was stuff like when guns and roses were first coming out and stuff like you know motley crew and um poison and uh, and 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 things like that i mean i i didn't i didn't like a lot of it i quite liked guns and roses uh 
And I remember, I actually remember, you know, he went to see Guns N' Roses. I remember him going to Donington, I think it was 88, was it? Uh, was it yeah, I think, I, I definitely remember him going to Donington to to see Guns N' Roses. I think it was that big year when they had that massive um, performance there and... Um, but you know, sadly, a couple of people actually ended up dying. Because I remember this it all connecting people yeah. um, dying there um, in 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 a crush at, at that show, and um, and he was there, and I and I and I do remember that 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 he'd got hurt there, um, um, or maybe even got in a fight or something like that. I just remember him coming home and and this being something my parents were talking about. Oh, Keith next door, you know, had a really bad weekend uh, at this concert. He got beat up at a Guns N' Roses concert. And, um, and yeah, so, you know, that, that again, sort of opened the door to that world. But um, I think that the first then thing that really got me into, into getting into heavier stuff, then another gateway was um, I really liked the film. um, Well, is the Young Guns film with Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen and all that, but it was it's actually number two that I really liked. I remember watching that when I was a kid. I probably shouldn't have because it was quite, <laughs> you know, people shooting each other and stabbing each other and stuff yeah. like that. It was pretty violent, but um, I remember I'd I'd, I'd quite liked. Um, Bon Jovi. I'd liked. I'd liked. You know, Living on a Prayer was a massive hit um, at the end of the eighties, and and I'd uh, I'd quite liked that, but it was a little bit too. I don't know. There's the big poodle perms and stuff. I wasn't quite. I don't know. It didn't didn't really connect with me as a kid. But um, but I loved the, the this film Blaze of Glory. Um, the, the film Young Guns too, and um, I think actually that was the tagline Blaze of Glory. And um, and John Bon Jovi actually um, wrote and recorded the the soundtrack to it then which i suppose doubles up as a as a concept record of of billy the kid um sort of the the life and um and, and the death of, of of billy the kid and i and i fell in love with that album and it's like was one of my you know was my favorite album then and, and became one of my favorite it's a really good album um still when you go back to listen to it it's like I say it's a it's a really varied concept album on 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 the death of billy the kid um but yeah i got into that and you know there was a couple of little bit heavier tracks on that and then the same path that a lot of people took then i suppose to well actually i remember what it was it was being so into queen and and when freddie mercury died um watching the tribute concert then when he died and um a metallica were opening that um and they had just released uh, the Black Album then. So they played like three songs off that. And that was, you know, that was a big game changer to me then, see, seeing them play on that. So so that was a big thing too. Yeah. I think um, Bon Jovi's a good one. Like my parents are big Bon Jovi fans. And the, like you talking about like just triggered a memory of like me being in the car um in the on the either on the way to Cornwall or on the way back from Cornwall because that's where my family are from. So we go there for mm-hmm. some holidays. And it's kind of like uh, we had the greatest hit CD in the car, and that's pretty Crossroads. much that. <laughs> the only like album that all four of us, um, like my brother as well, that we could agree on because um, we've all got yeah. varied music taste. But Bon Jovi was just the one that we were like, yeah, stick it on. This is the road trip album, and it always was. It's such like a weird thing i hadn't even thought about that in such a long time until you mentioned it but yeah yeah, yeah. that, that it, it was a, a similar for me it was that that one that we all kind of liked i mean 
is uh, I remember the first time I because I, my dad used to used to kind of have this little bit of a ritual on the weekend where he, he used to work um, away during the week and then he would come home for for the weekend and um, usually on a, on a on a Saturday evening he'd sort of um, pull. Uh, one of the living room chairs up to the stereo, you know, and put the headphones in and uh, have a, you know, have, have a beer and, and and just sit and chill and, and listen to his records and, and cassettes and stuff like that. And I remember the first time when I, when I had the cassette of um, I think Slippery When Wet by, uh, by Bon Jovi and, and I, and I gave him that to listen to to see if he liked it. And the first song on there is song. Uh, I'm pretty sure the first song on there was "Raise Your Hands," but um, it's just really, really. It was like the riffiest song they probably ever done. Um, and then he turned it off. He's oh no, no, don't, don't, this is a bit much for me. And then uh, I think then once uh, once they started on on the next record on on, on "Keep the Faith," then uh, it was a bit more of a. You know, there's ballads everywhere, and uh, he's like, "Oh, actually, yeah, it's not bad." And, um, and yeah, so we've bonded a bit on that. But yeah, Bon Jovi bringing families together. Yeah, bringing families together. I love that. Um, yeah. So, what was your first gig? Can you remember? I can, I can remember, and it's and it's a really random one. Um, it was in, <clears throat> it was on a, it was on a, on a, on a family holiday in. I mean, I want to say Spain, Spain, Mallorca. It was, it was one of those, but. Um, it was um, it was the, the the it was the drifters and the four tops um, playing like it was one of those things where uh, it wasn't a tribute or anything. It, it really was them. Um, I think you know some of them maybe weren't alive then, but um, but yeah, go into this. Um, outdoor sort of theater thing and I, I can remember it really really vividly because I, I remember having um, a hollowed out peach. Uh, with 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 ice cream in it, it's, it's it's so weird, you know, the things that you really yeah. remember and connect. But I can I can remember so well just just the actual, you know, sitting there watching and and listen listening to to these songs, and, you know, these amazing songs, you know, legendary bands, and, and sitting there with this ice cream peach uh, thing. Yeah, so some some of this just stuck in my head. I suppose yeah. I guess it was quite a powerful um, memory, you know, a powerful thing your first ever live concert really yeah i was uh i was telling lucas from holding absence when we were discussing it about you know what we kind of class as our first gig whether it's actually our the first live music show we ever went to or the one we actually you know we went with friends or whatever my yeah. first live music experience was all saints right and center but we had i went with a neighbor down the road um she had a spare ticket. She was taking her daughter. So, but, you know, gigs go on quite late. Um, and her daughter fell asleep halfway through, so we had to leave. Oh, <laughs> what a bummer. As, as a first live concert experience, it probably wasn't the best one, but I still vividly remember having to get up from my seat and just walk out halfway through. I don't even, like, what? I don't know why um, that's yeah. stuck in my memory, but, uh, Yeah. Still well, now you say it, I'm, I'm pretty sure my sister would have fallen asleep at that one because she would have been about five at the time. I would have been about eight or something like that. But yeah, um, yeah definitely. It's, yeah, it's funny the things that, that do stick in your mind, like you yeah. say. Was, I remember it being pretty good, though. So. <laughs> That's the main thing. Um, yeah. so what about like your kind of local area when you were growing up? Was there much of a music scene? Did you have any favourite music venues? What was it like? 
Um, yeah, I grew I grew up in a, in, in a town called Aberdeer. Well, a village called Herwine in a town called Aberdeer, and um, and I suppose the the biggest thing. Well, I mean, one of the things growing up was um, the Tom Jones was from like the next town over, and um, and some you know some of his family or extended family you know lived in my village, and um, it was, I, I don't know how much of it, how much of them actually were, where they were like you know massively removed, or yeah. they, they had the same surname or wherever. Well, surname is Woodward, um, not Jones, because obviously every you know everyone in Wales's surname is Jones except me. <laughs> Um, but um, yeah, so so that was that was always the thing, and you'd always get those um, folk tales of oh, you know, I remember when Tom Jones played the, this, you know, our local pub, and there was only three people there. So like, I don't know, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but um, you'd hear that a lot. But um, one of the things that, like, uh, one of the big uh, things that happened was was the Stereophonics because they were from the same town, um, and I guess it was. I don't know. It was about mid nineties. I want to. I want to say I was. I must have been about like fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, yeah. About ninety five, ninety six. When um, when when the stereophonics uh, came through, and that and that was and that was a really really massive thing because I remember that their first um, their first big song was um, "Local Boy" in the photograph, and um, and that was actually. Again, you know, everyone being quite connected in 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 that area, it was like it was it was a family member's cousin's son who was like the the subject of the um, of the song, you know, who had um, who had died on the railway track and, and this sort of thing. And, and I remember, you know, it, it'd be one of those things where my family were talking about it. It's like, oh, have you heard the song? Uh, and I'm like, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and then they started to get, you know. Get, snowball quite quickly then and um and when their first album came out word gets around um is literally uh everything that the, the kelly jones was singing about was i knew you know i knew everything that he was talking about you know the um like like more life in a transvest was um you know when he was working at Aberdeen market which is where me as a teenager that's where i would hang out every saturday was at that you know we'd go over to the swimming pool and um and go swimming and then we'd come over then and there was the like the the games arcade right opposite the market and um and he'd be singing about these people even you know like a, a song called billy davy's daughter and uh, uh mac the knife was like mentioned in th- and these are all people that we knew who they were and and, and all these stories so that re- that was really cool at the start of it just being oh you know there's this band from the same town and they're singing about our town that's pretty cool yeah. but then they got massive and it's just like and it was like whoa you know this these songs that everyone is singing now and up and down the country I mean you know the the band was 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 going like huge and playing massive shows and top 10 records and stuff like that so it was like oh wow you know this little band singing about our little town um are getting massive so i remember that and i remember just the fact that i think everyone in our in our whole valley owned that record yeah. and um i remember when their second album came came out it was performance and cocktails i think um again everyone just bought that record um so of course it went to like number two i think in the charts and i, I remember i remember we they, they had like their album signing in the Aberdeer woolworth's uh store and it was um the only time i'd been 
to a sign in or, or like a, a meet and greet there before uh, sort of thing was um, was when Prince Charles came there. I think I think it was Lady Diana as well, but um, it might have been. But um, yeah, yeah, I remember when Prince Charles came to Walworths in Aberdeer and. Um, and yeah, and that was the the time after then is when uh, when Stereophonics uh, signed was signing a second album. So yeah, so that was a, that was a big thing with them coming from our town. Yeah, Woolworths is the place to be apparently. It was. I mean that that was you know if you want to talk about early um, you know records and and things that, that it was always the those now that's where I call music yeah. uh, collections on uh, on cassette that used you know that there was just. I would just religiously, as soon as they were out, straight down to, straight down to Woolworths and and pick it up and uh, you know get it straight in 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 the Walkman on the yeah. bus on the way home. Um, yeah, but I think God up until a point I, I had every one of them up until I don't know what it's on now. It's like now two thousand and sixty three or something. <laughs> yeah. I, remember, I remember having like now. I think the first one I had was like now twenty three. Uh, but they were always, I mean, such a high standard of it was absolutely bangers and all of them. So yeah, they were they were a big thing too. Yeah, I just saw recently like um, the people behind the Now albums put out like a like a dad rock album or something, and it was a lot of oh. it is like teenage dirtbag and some oh. forty one, and you're suddenly like, oh, oh, oh is that oh, dad rock? Oh, no. oh god, oh god, I'm so old. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it must be Grandad Rock now or something. Yeah, like I know it's terrifying. So, uh, um, thinking about live moments, um, both as a musician and as a spectator, if you could pick one live moment in your life to relive again, what would you pick? Um, I think I think one of the one of the coolest ones was um, when we did uh Reading Festival when we played a funeral for a friend at Reading Festival 2004 um we headlined the the, the radio one stage which was you know the the, the biggest tent and um <clears throat> we had been we you know we we released our first album in 2003 and um everything had been going really really well for us and everything was was cool everything was good you know we were sort of riding a wave and everything was positive and then we went to we had done one tour in America um sort of at the end of 2003 and and that was really great the first time we went there that was really cool um and then I suppose the second or third time we were going out there was was during the summer of 2004 and uh, the way it was like sold to us is like, do you want to tour the U S with, with Lincoln park corn and Snoop Dogg? And it was like, well, yeah, of course, you know, yeah. that's uh, Lincoln park with the biggest band in the world at that point. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, of course. Um, the reality was a little bit different. Whereas we were like, th- those bands were playing in this, in the amphitheaters, um, you know, from about, the amphitheater would open like four o'clock in the afternoon and go on until, you know, until Linkin Park were finished. And then we were to find out that, oh, okay, we play in the car park um, with, oh. yeah, with like other, it was quite a random bill. I mean, on, on our car park stage, you know, there they were, they was like hardcore bands, um, like No Warning, like a really well-known hardcore band at the time. And I don't know, people still like them, but, um, and, 
and uh, Ghostface as well, the the, the rapper. He's like, okay, um, and instruction, um, and and yeah. So we so, so we ended up doing like a whole summer of that, really um, playing parking lots to people who were just waiting for the main doors to open, and it was. It was grueling, you know, it was, I mean, it was cool, you know, it was getting to, getting to be in America, but, but you were in America, but you weren't because you were essentially, it's, you know, it sounds pretty cool and glamorous. It's like, oh, you know, you come to New York and LA. It's like, no, no, we were in, like, in the middle of nowhere in these places, you know, parking, you know, next to the big, um, you know, amphitheaters and stuff. So, so, so every day was basically just seeing dusty parking lots really um so yeah so that was a, that was kind of the first bump in the road for us i think as a band really because everything had just been going on an upward trajectory and so we were out there for like three months and um and i think just just when we just when we left to go we got offered um to play the you know to headline the the second stage at, at ren and leeds and um it was like oh yeah well you know we'd love to but Ah, oh, we're out on this tour in the US, which is going until I mean, Red and Leeds was the end of August, and we were the tour was finishing like I don't know, first week of September, second week of September. Uh, but we, you know, we were talking to our manager and we we're like, ah, oh, we need to try and make this work somehow. Can we can we jump off a couple of shows and fly home to do it? Mm-hmm. Um and you know, the money was pretty decent to headline the stage. So it was like, well, if we wanted to, we could afford to do that if you if you were up for doing that. So we were like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Um, so we'd, we'd got to August. We were on the tour for two months and we were just just all tired and um, deflated and, and demoralized. It was it was literally, you know, get, getting up every day in the, in, in the baking sunshine, playing in a dusty car park. And um, I don't know, if you're lucky, you get like 100, couple of hundred, um people coming out to watch you and it is just a bummer but um so then we flew you know we flew back from the states for this one show and um and we got we got back and we we literally you know got off the plane and got taken to the festival site and uh and then when we when we got to the site then um we got we you know first thing is actually getting to see our friends and family and stuff which was like you know we hadn't seen them for months and it was the first time we'd ever been through that really that separation um and then when we were there uh, in our dressing room and then our manager brought out gold discs for our fir- for our first album it's like oh yeah i forgot to tell yeah it's like forgot to tell you if the album it's just uh just went gold whilst you're in the states we're like oh amazing you know it's one of those bucket list things that you know for certainly was for me and and for us you know it's like to have a gold disc is like incredible so we had that i was like wow and then we were on this high and we we're like okay so we're headlining this stage tonight and it was it was absolutely packed. Um, the tent, it was just huge. It was, you know, one of the best shows that we've ever done. Um, and this was the Leeds one and Reading was just as good. Um, and we were, we'd been, we'd been writing some songs whilst we were in, um, America. And we had this song called roses for the dead, which we'd never, ever played. Um, and we were like, ah, oh, should we just play it? It'd be cool to play it, play a new song. Um, 
So you're like, yeah, yeah, we were all feeling good. So we went out, played that for the first time and it just went down like so amazingly well and and became, you know, probably one of our, our you know, top two or three loved songs, I think, you know, and, um, and and those were the first times we played them. And it was just, it was just being back there. It was such, I mean, it was literally from one day to another, you know, on, on the Friday we were in wherever we were in the middle of America playing to nobody you know, feeling just really isolated and 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 bummed out, and then literally a day or two later, we're we're back in the UK, surrounded by our friends and family, with a massive, full tent. You know, playing this new song for the first time with with gold discs in our hands. It was just the the biggest juxtaposition, and it was it was really cool. And then after we played the two shows, of course, we had to fly back then to finish the tour for another two weeks. Um, but by then, you know, we had a bit of a we were rejuvenated, had a spring in our step, yeah. and uh, yeah, so that was really cool. Nice, I love that. And did you, you know, when funeral were first starting out, or even maybe before then, did you ever have a moment where you were like, "This is what I want to do for my career"? Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, the first, I remember, I remember quite well the first um, heavy gig. That I, that I went to um, it's back in 1995. It was uh, it was Fear Factory um, in Cardiff. I guess you'd call it. I guess it's where the, the Plas venue is now. Um, so the uni, and um, yeah, at the time it was just like I was into every. <clears throat> I was massively into watching Headbangers Ball every week. That was that was the bible really, um, and. At the time, like Roadrunner Records was was just on a on a on a massive streak with you know your Fear Factories and <clears throat> Sepultura and um, just so many you know Type One Negative and so many cool bands and um, and yeah going and that was the first time I got to go and see any of these bands live and being on the front and um, and honestly yeah that was it you know soon soon as that gig started um, it was like I, I need. To, I need need to do this. This is uh, this is this is wild and um, and funny enough, you know, it's uh, funny how things come round because I mean, you know, I live in Bridgend. It's just you know quite small town, um, small you know little place in in the middle of uh, just off the M4 in the middle of nowhere. But but then somehow then the sing Burton C Bell from Fear Factory ended up recording down the street in my friend's studio then and and we ended up like I guess is what is it now 20 yeah almost exactly 25 years later sitting down you know the road from my house eating a curry um <laughs> and, and saying oh you know it's, and having that chat and saying it's quite funny how this all came around um, yeah yeah so that was that was kind of cool um and then kind of thinking about you know with the management side of things what is it about being a part of this industry still, even though, you know, you've kind of taken a backseat from being playing live or being in a band? What is it about this industry that you love? I think um, it, I, it was it was such a cool part um, time in my life when um, when when the when funeral for a friend started uh, picking up steam and, and kicking off. Uh, you know, I'd been in bands before. Uh, pretty much most of the the people in the band had been in bands before, um, and we'd been. We we had this thing going where we'd like once a month 
Um, we put together bills at you know TJ's in in Newport um, and put on all days and just you know whatever bands were kicking about we'd get together and and it and it'd be good we you know there'd, there'd be enough people there to watch you just from the other bands but but they would be pretty decent and and we just have this little South Wales circuit and it was all it was a bit of fun you know it was a social circle it was cool you know you meeting new friends and just seeing new bands and it, it was cool it was fun and um, and that's all it was really for us. I mean, not that we didn't have ambitions, but it, it didn't really, it didn't feel realistic, really. You know, it felt that, you know, those sort of things don't happen to to us or bands like us. And um, and when and when funeral started, uh, you know, went to record a demo down in a studio in Swansea, and um, and someone then from the studio, um, they also were starting. They had a small record label, and, and like, oh, this this demo that we recorded, we'd like to put this out, and that was the biggest thing. And you know, that was the talk of the of the South Wales scene. You know, it's like, oh my God, they're getting signed to a label, even though you know it was just a small yeah. label in Swansea that was um, you know just running through its um, recording studio. Um, you know, that that was the biggest thing. And uh, I joined the band soon after that because I was in a different band at the time. Um, so when that all came to Together, that all the all these things started to happen, and uh, you know, it's like, oh, well, the song's been played on the radio. It's like, oh, wow, um, and then it's like, oh, right, you know, Radio One want you to do a session for the rock show. It's like, oh, and then things like being in, in being in Kerrang and being in Rock Sound and and Metal Hammer and and, and all these different things. It was just it, it was just wild, and and every little step was just mind-blowing and, and you know getting the manager and, and and getting the booking agent and and getting on real you know getting to actually tour around the country all these little things and play festivals and just every step of it was just so mind-blowing to me and, and, and every little small victory was was the biggest thing and then you know i i suppose i got to a point with with funeral where so many of these cool things had happened, which was amazing. But um, I don't know. I, I, I suppose I, I started missing the small victories, you know, the small little things like the first time getting the gig together or the first time being in a magazine or the first time, you know, all those little first time things. And um, and that's when I started, um, I guess it was, like I said, about 2008, 2009, just, just starting to just help other bands really you know some you know new bands that were coming through in wales and, and giving them advice and and trying to um you know i suppose pass on some of my contacts that i'd made from just being in the band and, and taking them on tour and things like that and um and i kind of I, I i discovered that i was getting that same buzz again that that, that i had in the start you know and and those little small victories were they felt the same as they did for me, even though it wasn't me, you know, just, just being a part of it. And, um, and that's something that, that, that's still with me now, you know, that, that I haven't lost that keeps coming because, you know, even though I've done these things myself and, and I had those, you know, um, you know, made my first album or signed my first record deal or sold out my first ever headline show or, or any of those things that they might be is, I'm getting to do those all over again with other bands now and um I'm getting to share in that and getting to um enjoy those achievements and um kind of you know live vicariously through them and um uh, and, and and I think that's what it is for me, honestly, is that is that it gives me 
that that buzz still and and that's enough to energize me and um and to keep me motivated to to do this you know even through the the long stressful days sometimes and uh and the ups and downs that every single band has you know there's no band out there that, that doesn't um but it's all worth it you know it's all worth it for those uh for those victories no matter how big or small so that's that's why i think nice i love all that I love that. <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we've kind of talked about a few of the albums that uh, shaped your earlier music taste and stuff, but what would you say is your favourite album of all time? Ooh, um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll try to exclude compilation albums. Um, and Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, and The Simpsons, yeah. I don't think that would have made the cut anyway, actually. Uh, <laughs> that would have been lingering somewhere in the... Yeah, towards the bottom maybe but um yeah f- favorite records that, that is a good one um you know there, there was some milestone records i think you know like the um the the, the john bon jovi one the blaze of glory was was definitely a landmark record for me and then um the the first metallica album i got into was 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 the black album you know and that was a big thing for me crossing over into listening to heavy music but but then going back then i think master of puppets was became you know my favorite um metallica album so so that's certainly one of them um and then again you know having got into queen through a greatest hits and then going back through the catalog uh, it's funny i think like in innuendo was the last record they did with freddie mercury and I think for some people who had, you know, been Queen fans since day one and, and grown through them, um, maybe wouldn't look as fondly on that album. But I think, you know, it's, it's, it really resonates with me because it, it was that, you know, that album that I got into and and really got into at the time and and being just before Freddie Mercury died and everything, it, it had a lot of uh, significance. So, so that's one of them. But then I think really, if I look at, Queen, my favorite album is, is probably Night at the Opera. Um, so that's that's one of my favorite records. And then when I started getting into uh, the more you know hardcore and the punk stuff, um, one of my favorite bands then was 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 Boy Sets Fire, and um, their record after the eulogy was um, was quite a big one for me. Um, so that so yeah, in terms of heavy records, that one. Um, God, I could probably go on all day and it's probably change. <laughs> You've picked some. You've picked some classics in there. So I think so. Yeah, a good selection. Yeah, yeah. They make a they make a good playlist, but um, yeah, there's 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 so many, and um, I think I think from bands that I've worked with, there've been there've been so many records, but uh, I think one of my favourites was um, um, the debut album by the People, the Poet, um, called. Yep. The narrator, um, and it is is something that's going to bug me until the end of my life that that it, that it didn't become an incredibly massive record because it it deserved to be instilled as I mean even if people were to hear it now it's um it's, it had the coolest concept an incredible concept where um, basically the singer asked people to email him you know, stories about their lives and just all sorts of different stories. And, um, and he would write an album based on, on, on their stories. And, and basically there's got, there's a really nice physical version of the album where it's a book um, and it's got all the stories illustrated. Um, and I think 
Yeah, I mean, they're written out in in the way they were written on the email. So, you know, you can see you can see the original emails. Obviously, the names are um, yeah. redacted and stuff. But and they just made this beautiful book from it. And and just the songs is 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 amazing. It's it's really incredible. I mean, you know, there's 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 you know, the, the, there's there's some stories that are really they're really sad. There's some really funny, happy stuff, and from all sorts of different. Mm-hmm areas of life and the musicianship and you know the singer leon you know has just got an, an amazing voice and he's such an incredible lyricist and uh, i think that's definitely one of um one of my favorite albums of, of all time and um you know one of the one of my favorite i've ever worked with even though it didn't get that success it should have it's you know it's, it's always going to be one of the proudest things i ever worked on nice and kind of thinking about now you can t- say the bands that you're working with if you want but who what new bands are you loving right now is there you know whether they're you know pop artists hip-hop artists like w- what bands and artists are you really enjoying that are kind of on the up yeah i mean it's that's the thing it's, it's gonna it's gonna sound uh it's, it's gonna sound quite cheesy but i honestly about 80 percent of the music i listen to now is if it's not bands i work with this bands that i'm sort of <laughs> would like to work with maybe or, or sort of um yeah i mean you know the i guess the, one of the newest things i, I start i mean i've been working with um with holding absence pretty much since, since day one and um and they put out their their record last week and i know lucas came on the show um and um but 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 um but james who who used to play bass in the band has, has started a new band um you know, and is doing that now called James and the Cold Gun, which is, um, yeah, which is which is really really cool. And it's again, it's it's fun because I get to hear the demos and stuff. You know, I, I love that part of what I do. Uh, you know, that's really really exciting. I mean, it's you know, I'm working with with bands I consider you know my favorite bands, and I get to I get to hear everything before the rest of the world and um which is which is a really really cool thing so so yeah just 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 hearing um hearing demos then coming coming from bands um in terms of what i've been listening to oh yeah it's it's oh, so so much at the moment i'd have to bring up my spotify or something now, <laughs> uh, to see what, what i've been listening to but i mean i do i do a playlist um every week on the on the future history account you know little plug on, on spotify <laughs> uh, called future history friday um yeah um so I, I do that every week and um it's pretty much that that's kind of what i listen you know, most of the stuff that i'm listening to i'll i'll throw down on that um i, I, I wouldn't know where to start god yeah it's it's funny like it's so so much um so, so much good music coming out at the moment, honestly. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think of, like, this is just an extra question I'm throwing in there just because I'm interested in it. So, obviously, Wales has had such a good music scene for decades now. You know, you take it right back to Tom Jones and then you've, I said, Stereophonics. And then there was, I kind of touched on it with Lucas a bit, there was this really strong, probably like five years where you had kids in glass houses, you had the blackout, um, the automatic, there was bullet, there were so many bands just coming out from Wales. And then it all kind of, it felt like kind of went a bit quiet for a bit, but you know, from my end, it kind of withholding absence, you it feels like there's it's kind of brewing again 
Um, and yeah, yeah, I'm just interested to kind of hear your side of it. You know, being from being a part of that scene is is there new things coming out and about Cardiff's got so many music venues as well, which yeah. is amazing. And so. that always helps. Yeah, I mean that 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 definitely helps a lot. And um, and like you say, it had that. You know, we had the with the early two thousands with all with all those bands um, that you mentioned, and then that I, I suppose that was the frustrating thing was, was after that there were still these great bands. Um, you know, like I said, talking about the people, the poet, the type, please, um, and Straight Lines, who I worked with as well, and you know, it was, it was such a great band, and there was loads of things coming through Cuba, Cuba, really cool band. Um, it was there was lots of really cool 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 stuff um that just for i don't know why um for some reason i don't know if i don't want to say that like it like that that people you know the wales wasn't cool enough anymore or it wasn't the place people were looking at i, I don't want to believe it was that because that, that would you know that would be quite sad to think that that was you know it could be that superficial but mm. but for some reason it was just yeah yeah they, they were they were good bands there but people weren't weren't picking up on it but, but like you say now it's um it's yes it's, it's come through again it's um you know with like you say with, with withholding absence and and then other you know very very different stuff then you know uh, like phil campbell and the bastard sons doing doing really cool stuff um and and yeah i mean three of those guys were in um were in straight lines um well two of them at least one of them was in um the people of poets so it's nice for them to actually be getting their dues now um but yes so much coming through it's uh and, and like you say about the about the community we've got got so many cool venues in cardiff i mean you know just on yeah just on womanby street you know you've got your fuel and your club and your and your full moon and uh and everything there um and, and i think that that was always the thing during that period with with funeral and, and kids in glass houses and um and you know the blackout and everything. It it was it was it was really supportive. Um, we were always uh, you know we always took pride in taking Welsh bands on tour with us and and introducing them to you know to to, to new fans and um, and it was always made quite easy for us because 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 the, the bands were were always so good you know so it was never a case of. Oh, you know, it's it's our mates, but okay, we'll take them because yeah. <laughs> it was always like, yeah, they're you know they might be our mates, but they're really really good, um, and, and and we continued that. I mean, you know, I think in fairness, you know, it, I think that started with uh, with 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 lost profits. You know, they, they, they um, I mean, you know, re- regardless of of what's you know what's happened since, there's there's some there was you know good people in that yeah. band. That have had their, you know, they've had their, you know, at the, at the very least, their careers taken away. But you know, the the, the effect it's had on their lives that um, that they certainly certainly didn't deserve. But you know, we we I, I remember, you know, Mike Mike Lewis in particular from um, from Lost Profits was was always super supportive of, of new bands. Um, you know, the band I was in before Funeral, well, to two the two bands I was in, you know before funeral anytime that you know he could help and, and get us on shows and tell, and tell people about us he would um and you know they, they were always really really good to us and um and that carried on then with us you know and and, and we sort of felt you know bringing on the, the black out there and kids in glass houses and um and then 
then the, the blackout continued that then and taking said Mike on tour and things like that. Um, so, that, so there was that. And I, and I think that, I think that was a big part of it is when we got to the point where, um, you know, the band started winding down, obviously blackout split up and kids, kids in glass houses split up and, um, you know, funeral was, was winding down a bit. And, and when eventually split up, but there was that gap then, like you say, um, it did fall off a bit. Um, but it's good. It's good to see. It's good to see something come through again now, and um, I get the you know a bit of positivity there. And uh, yeah, it feels it feels good. I'm feeling I'm feeling good about it, and especially when touring starts back up again now. Um, yeah. You know, with uh, yeah, there's those damn crows who I work with as well, doing good things in um, in that different sort of well. They, they've they've they call it the, the new wave of classic rock um <laughs> is, is, is that scene um but but yeah i mean you know like they're playing main stage of download next year which is which is really cool and then you know moose from bullet is doing his new thing with killer lights and they're playing download next year and then you know with us playing download is like you, you kind of forget really because um there's all these bands and, and so much of a, a South Wales pretend thing. And, uh, you know, when I posted on Facebook the other day, it's like, uh, you know, all these bands are playing, blah, blah, blah. And there's, you know, people commented a message on me. It's like, oh, it's like pretty much then half a pretend to play and download. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. when you think about it, actually, yeah, bloody hell. It's like, yeah, all, all, all our mates and, and, and it's really, you know, you, you get quite proud of that really, you know, it's like, you know, we're, we're headlining the stage and the crows are like playing on the main stage and, you know, kill, kill the lights and do doing their thing. And it's, uh, you know, holding absence then it's just like, wow, yeah, this is actually, this is actually really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it, you know, it's quite rare to see that actually, you know, Wales is, it is its own country and you, you are, you, you've got a takeover at download. There's not often that you see that many bands from the same town, the same country, whatever, all on the yeah. same weekend, same place. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's party. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, you know, and then you consider that, um, I'm, I'm sure that the next one or the one after you'll have, like pull off my Valentine playing, or you'll have Skin Dread playing, or, or or whoever it may be, you know. So the and newer bands like you know Florence Black and stuff like that. It's like well, you know, even even though we kind of have taken over uh, a lot of download this year and got so much on it, there's still the year after it could be again the same, just from the bands that haven't played that are not playing this time, which is which is really cool. Yeah, I love that. Well, we are we are at the end of the podcast. You've answered all the questions and more because I threw in more just for the hell of it. <laughs> ah, good. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you again so much for being a part of this. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, everything that the tour goes ahead next year, that download goes ahead next year, and we can all just have a nice time. With oh, wouldn't rips. that be nice? <laughs> yeah, I am looking forward to that very much. Yeah. Cool. Well, I will let you go on with your evening. Enjoy the rest of the week and the weekend and everything. And hopefully see you in a field somewhere next summer. Look forward to it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
So there we have it. A very lovely chat with Ryan Richards from Funeral for a Friend slash Future History Management. I hope you enjoyed his tales of tours gone by and getting an insight into the Welsh music scene and it was a very rich history. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please do go and follow the podcast on Instagram at The Music That Shaped Us and on Twitter at TMTSU underscore pod. I'll be back next week with another brilliant guest. Take care of yourselves and I'll see you then.